Welcome to the fattest girl in the room. This is a podcast about being a fat girl in a not so fat friendly world. Hello there, listener. Welcome back to the Fattest Girl in the Room podcast. I am Tay. I am your hostess with the mostest. And today I am bringing you a community episode. I'm really excited because today we are going to be talking to Leah Carey. I did this interview um, a few weeks ago, or more than a few weeks ago, I guess. I did a few um, interviews all kind of together. Anyway, Leah's was really awesome. Leah is this um, sexual communication coach is the title that she uses, which is a great way to describe what she does. Um, and she helps people communicate um, and talk about sex with their partners so that they get what they actually want to in, in bed and not just, you know, deal with it as it is or as it comes. They they She helps give you back her uh your sexual voice i guess we'll we'll say that uh leah is the host of a podcast called good girls talk about sex um and we're today we're going to be talking about obviously being the fattest girl in the room that is obviously the topic of this podcast so we're going to be talking about body image and all of that lovely thing and leah is actually going to be talking about sexual freedom she's going to be sharing a really cool experience where she went to a uh, nudist resort or a sex resort. So she's going to be telling us about that experience that she's had and just a few other things that she's learned about her body over the years. And so she's going to be talking about that from a personal perspective. And she's also going to be sharing some of her professional insights with us as well. So um, I'm really, really excited for you to listen to this episode. Um, if you love it, please rate and review the podcast please go to hello tay check out um leah's bio link through to her all her great stuff you can obviously listen to her podcast from there and everything like that and um come hang out with me at hello tay and um yeah so i'm really excited so let's just get to the interview you don't need to hear me talk anymore so uh first in the form uh, first and foremost let um how about you tell me a little bit about you just so people listening know who you are absolutely so uh first of all thank you for having me oh thank you for coming um, <laughs> my name is leah carey i am a sex educator i call myself a sexual communication coach primarily because i am most interested in helping people learn how to talk to their partners and their lovers about sex i'm not here to teach you how to give a better blowjob because <laughs> you can figure that stuff out online yes. <laughs> but, but i find that um the the biggest breakdown in most sexual relationships is not the actual activities. It's learning how to communicate about what you want and what you desire in a way that your partner can understand it and respond to it. Um, so that's the work that I do. 
And I come to this um, from a background of being extremely sexually repressed for the first 42 years of my life. So, um, so this has been all really, you know, feet on the ground, hardcore learning on my part about how to do these skills and how to move out of that box that I had placed myself in for most of my life. Excellent. That's a very interesting job. I love, I love interviewing people because everyone has interesting jobs. I always like to say they have more interesting (laughs) jobs than me. I'm like, I'm a blogger. (laughs) most nondescript thing out there so um do you uh what's who do you normally work with like what's the what would be like your your target audience profile just out of curiosity the majority of the people I work with are um women though I want to clarify that that is people who grew up in little girl bodies um, because um, to me how we're socialized is far more important than the actual uh, the gender that we express as adults or the sexuality that we express as adults how we were socialized is what really determines um, how we express ourselves in the world so I work with people who were brought up in little girl bodies and learned that their sexuality was a thing to be ashamed of. Um, Primarily, I work with people who are in relationships and not getting what they want, feeling like I talk to my girlfriends and they all sound like they're having more fun than I'm having, or I wish that my partner touched me in a different way. I wish so many of the women I work with come in with the same story that I had, which is I feel broken. I feel like there's something wrong with me. Why doesn't my body respond the way that I think it's supposed to? And usually it's got nothing to do with our bodies being broken. It has to do with not having our bodies touched and nourished nurtured in the way that we experience loving, nurturing touch. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So it's different for everyone, which is totally fair. Absolutely. So uh, the main audience for this podcast is obviously plus size women. I like to call, I like to refer to them as fat women because I call myself fat, but I know some people are really offended by that word. So I don't want, I don't want to make people feel bad about themselves, but that's normally or the the biggest audience for this and for my blog is is fat women and I know we have some very serious body image issues especially when it comes to sex um which I say from experience um because I am like the like let's do it uh missionary style let's turn all the lights off let's yeah. like can we leave our shirts on <laughs> like that <laughs> That kind of um, that kind of idea, and, it, and it's kind of hard. It's hard to shake stuff like that because it is it's built into you. It's like a society thing, and it's a personal thing. And then I was uh, me personally was also raised in a very religious household, so there's that aspect as well of like sex is for marriage and for making babies, um, and so how. Uh, I'm assuming you've dealt with clients that have this, um, have similar, I mean, like I said, it's different for everyone, but what is like the biggest thing, uh, um, the biggest block that you see with any plus size clients that you have? Well, I I mean, there's, there's the clients I work with and then there's just me. Yeah. (laughs) Because, um, while I shop in the quote unquote straight sizes, Mm -hmm. 
um, at the department store, I have had a history of really significant body image issues. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to start with, my father um, was a troubled man mm-hmm. <laughs> who passed those troubles on to me. Yeah. And even though I was stick thin as a child, he started telling me when I was about 11 or 12 years old that I was getting fat and I was ugly and no one would ever be attracted to me. Um, and so over the years, sort of in solidarity with this message that I received, I started gaining weight. Um, and the more that I gained weight, the more that he told me I was fat and ugly and unlovable. Um, and so while I have never, I have looked at myself in the mirror and seen someone who in my head looks like an elephant, the rest of the world does not look at me and see me that way. The rest of the world sees me as, you know, a fairly average size 14 woman. But that has never been what I've seen when I look at myself in the mirror. And it was exacerbated. Um, as a younger woman, I worked in, in um, theater. I was a professional stage manager. I worked primarily in musical theater, which meant that I was constantly surrounded by dancers in leotards. And one of my jobs was often when somebody was missing to stand up in the room and like take their place so that people would have a sense of who was in the the space, who was uh, in the space. Yeah. And there are mirrors lining every conceivable surface of these rehearsal rooms. So I am, I already think that I'm fat. I already conceive of myself as a quote-unquote elephant. And then I'm in a mirror-lined room surrounded by skinny mini dancers. And all I can see is that I am, in your words, the fattest girl in the room. And it demolished any self-confidence that I might have had at that point completely went out the window. It totally demolished me. So, and... So the biggest issue that I have had, and, you know, back to your question about clients, the biggest issue that I hear from other people is, how could anybody possibly be attracted to me? I don't look like the women in the magazines or the women on television. Of course you don't. None of us do. I'm not even sure they do. (laughs) They don't look like that. They are airbrushed. I recently, in the last couple of years, discovered Australian television on Netflix. And it was a mind-blowing experience because in their shows they have real looking women do they really (laughs) like I didn't know that oh my god okay so I found this show called Offspring okay it's like five or six or even seven seasons I don't remember but there's a whole bunch of seasons and the the main character she's lovely but she's Mm -hmm. not Hollywood gorgeous yeah and then They have two characters who are, you know, part of the regular supporting cast who are women of size. Um, One of them is an Aboriginal woman. Okay. And one of them is a, the other one is a gay character. And they both get treated as 
fully sexual characters, just like everyone else. They date, they have sex, they get pregnant, they get divorced, like they do all of the things that everybody else does. And they're treated exactly the same. And that was a revelation for me that I was able to look at the screen and say, oh, they look like me. Um, now that you say that, I work, I, I work with our independent film community here. Um, but I was at the film festival last year and there was an Australian rom-com and the lead character was a like average size. She's probably like a 12 or a 14 average size. We'll call, um, yeah. Aboriginal woman. That's actually what she was now that I think about it. Wow. And it was about her heritage was like, it was a rom-com based in her heritage. It was a, it was a beautiful film. I watched it twice. Uh, I can't believe I didn't even think of that. Um, I love that. But that's so interesting that I, I've never even thought of that, but you're so right. The depictions of culture. I think we see it the same in Bollywood too. Um, they have a very different film culture as well. And I yeah. see, and I don't watch a ton of Bollywood films. The ones that I do watch have more, I'll say realistic views of people. Exactly. And what we actually look like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the problem is that when we only see the Hollywood depiction Mm -hmm. of like perfect beauty, perfect skinny, whatever, that's what we think is the norm. Mm -hmm. And therefore we are outside the norm. And so we are somehow in the wrong when we see depictions of bodies that actually look like real bodies, then that becomes the norm. Mm -hmm. And we recognize that we are okay. We are just like everybody else. Um, But this Hollywood magazine culture that we have in the United States is really harmful. And it leads women to think I will never find someone who can love me because my body is not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I am here to tell you that there are people who want to love your body, no matter what size it is, no matter what shape it is. I can tell you that with 100% certainty. And if you're hearing otherwise, it's because you're talking to the wrong people. That's very true. That's that's great to hear because I'm one of those people. I've been single forever. Um, mostly because I've wanted to and growing a business and all that kind of stuff. But you do get to the times where you're like, oh, no one is ever – like I'm never going to find anyone that like fits what I want them to – yeah. like personality wise and then also is like oh you're fat but that's cool like I'm cool with that like <laughs> and it shouldn't be like a that's cool thing it shouldn't even be a factor <laughs> in it. um but no it's like a constant feeling and I uh, for the for me the worst is like dating apps because mm. I mm-hmm. you try to build like an accurate profile and you want to make yourself look the best possible like literally anything else because it's like a job interview or an application and so you want to build it nice, but you also want to be, or in my case, I want to be extremely honest because I don't want to walk into like the bar and suddenly the guy's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so sorry. You're right. And then never comes back to the table because I don't look like my pictures. And honestly, who does? Let's be honest. Um, right. But it's that we live in a, a world that we're... I think, I don't even think we're that superficial. I think we're fed a superficial culture and totally we, we breed off. That's the wrong word. Um, But we, 
we take our ideas off of this superficial culture that we built and we just run with it. We're like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but no one likes to be judged. Right. So what would you say? What's like one, one situation that you go into and you always have that like fattest girl in the room feeling. Is there, is there one situation? Oh God. I don't know if there's one situation. I think there's sort of one mindset that are like, there are days when I feel sort of at peace with the world and I'm like, Hey, I'm cute. (laughs) You know? And I go out to the shopping center and I smile at everybody I see and they smile back at me. And I'm like, I, you know, I am at peace with the world. And then there are the days when I am feeling I deal with a lot of anxiety. So I'm, you know, I'm feeling anxious. And I go out into the world and I don't present a sort of happy exterior. And so I feel like people are looking at me and judging me. And that's when I catch sight of myself in, you know, the plate glass window. And I'm like, Oh, my God, how could you have gone out of the the house looking like that? Um, so it's not a particular situation. It's a particular mind space that I get into. That's fair. I, I would, I think I would have to agree with you. Cause it's like the, you're having like a normal, fantastic day. And then something just like kind of changes and you look over, like for me, I'm, I'll be like walking down the street and I'll look over in a window and I can see a reflection of myself. And I'm like, ah, time to go home. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean to look like this outside. Um, So how, uh, when you encounter those situations, what do you do or how do you try to um, move past those situations so you can get into a better mindset? Oh, gosh, that's a that's a hard question, because I think when I'm in the middle of them, it's hard to talk myself out, quite honestly. You know, like when I'm so steeped in the mindset that tells me that I'm fat and ugly and I feed back into those old messages, it's pretty darn hard for me to talk myself back into an okay place. Um, But I think that, you know, I have an amazing community of sex positive friends and um, I'm going to say that none of us I'm just sort of cataloging through my friends. None of us are perfect model size bodies. We are all women of varying sizes Um, from, you know, your sort of average size 10, 12, 14 up to, you know, much larger. And being in that space where everyone is so fully accepting of our bodies and our our inherent goodness as human beings, that is what I think brings me back to center. So and the, the reason that we sort of connected was because I told you I had, I had gone to this resort, this nude resort, and it was like the most healing thing that I had ever experienced in terms of body image. Um, and this is what happens. Part of the sex positive community is that it's not unusual for us to be in nude space together and to see all of these bodies some of which look like mine some of which are smaller some of which are bigger and to see that all of them are completely just oh I just want to hug 
all of them, you know, <laughs> like we're all just us. We're all just our, it's amazing. And I can look at their bodies and be like, mine is just as normal as theirs. And that to me is the most healing thing. I've, I know it is completely counter the cultural narrative. Like people <laughs> like I have a little extra pudge there's no way I would get naked I wouldn't even put on a bikini the in my experience and I've had this conversation with a lot of my friends and they all echo it the most healing thing that we do for our body image is get naked together because we see that we are just as quote unquote normal even the people who in their clothes look like they have perfect bodies they take off their clothes you can see they don't have the quote unquote perfect bodies um, and they're just as smart with their clothes off, and they're just as interesting with their clothes off, you know, like, you get to see them as whole people, and it totally demolishes all of these ideas uh, we have about what is, quote-unquote, acceptable. I I really want to hear more about your nude, your nude experience, because uh, this is, like, literally something I would never do, and I say never, <laughs> but realistically, I mean, never say never. Um, but because I don't think I could ever get in the mindset where I was like, oh, yeah, this seems like fun. I think I would be self-conscious the whole time. And I I know that I say that now. And honestly, it's probably not the truth when it comes down to it. So I would love to hear because um, I, I assume and I might be assuming wrong, but it probably wasn't like, a, yeah, let's do this right now when the idea was presented to you. So how did you, <laughs> how did you like, how did you even go about doing it? I guess is the, I mean, not logistically, we know you booked a, f- a flight and you <laughs> went out. <laughs> right. But like, how did you get into a mindset where you were, you were like, Kate, let's just yeah. do this now and let's go for it. <laughs> So it's part of a longer story. So I'll Mm -hmm. try to give you sort of the cliff notes to get you there. Um, I went through a period of great uh, sexual healing, sexual exploration. Um, It was about six months when I was on a solo road trip around the United States And um, I ended up having, it was not my intention. I I joke that if I had known this was going to happen, I would have stayed home (laughs) because I didn't think I was capable of it. I didn't think that girls like me were allowed to have these kinds of experiences. Um, But I, so I was on the road and I was having these like interesting experiences around sexuality and my body. Um... And I wanted to do something like I was already way outside my comfort zone because I'm traveling so low. I'm like going mm. on Craigslist personals and, and finding <laughs> experiences. <laughs> and nice. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the thing I did. Like a very interesting road trip. <laughs> It really was. <laughs> I kind of love it, though. I mean, why not? Why not? Yeah. I mean, I, I happened to have that moment in my life when all of the circumstances came together to allow me to do that. Um, so I'm in the middle of this road trip. And, you know, I would I would sit in bed at night and just Google for 
a, an hour or whatever, like interesting experiences I could have or what are like, I was really in the process of learning about my sexuality and just sort of like being a sponge for anything I could get my hands on. And in one of those Google searches, I came across a reference to a sex resort in Jamaica. And I oh, was wow. like, I'm sorry. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is completely new territory for me. Um, and so I clearly followed that link <laughs> and did some more reading. <laughs> and I found out about this resort called Hedonism, which I just think is a great name. It's a lovely name. I think name. it's actually, yeah, it's Hedonism 2, specifically, sure, sure. in Jamaica. And... Um, yeah, I just, I did a lot of reading. Um, it was a really terrifying prospect for me because not only was I going to a place that specifically called itself a sex resort that had an all nude beach that had like people would be having sex on the premises and I would be going as a single woman, like, so I didn't know whether I was like putting myself in danger, or, you know, anything like that. But also, this was really scary for me in terms of being nude. Um, because at that point, I had not had a lot of experiences of being nude in any sort of public space. Sure, of course. Um, like most of us. <laughs> like most people. <laughs> Yeah, let's just be clear. I am not recommending this as like the next obvious step for most people. Yeah, yeah. Just, just go to the shopping mall, take your clothes off. It's fine. Right. And never mind that policeman who's coming yeah. to arrest you. He's just coming to say hi. It's fine. Right. So, um, so I did a lot of research, found... Um, you know, read a lot of reviews by other women who had went, who had gone as singles um, to con to really uh, confirm for myself that this was a safe thing to do, that I wasn't putting myself in danger. Um, and I felt comfortable about that by the time I finished the research. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go and I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to have wild and crazy sex adventures or if I'm just going to go sit on the beach for a week in Jamaica, because that's not going to suck. I mean, if oh, at its course. worst, that's all I do. <laughs> yeah, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to enjoy some nice sunny weather. Right. And there'll be naked people around. Uh, It'll be fine. And there'll be naked people around. So, um, so I went. And I got to tell you, for the first 24 hours, I sat in my room terrified. Mm -hmm. um, I, It was... It was a big stretch to get myself out of my room <laughs> sure. because it was so unlike anything I had ever done. Um, it turns out that I did not have any sexual adventures while I was there. Fair. I don't think I touched another person mm -hmm. <laughs> except to maybe give somebody a hug, you know, yeah. to say goodbye. Um, what I did was I found a hammock that for some reason nobody else wanted because it was available for me every day. <laughs> I found my favorite hammock. It was right by the water. I took my books and I just laid in that hammock naked every day and read for, I think I was there for five days. And I looked at the naked people around me. And what I learned was nobody laughed at me. 
Nobody told me I didn't belong there. Nobody said, go put some clothes on. Nobody said, why are you here? You don't belong here. I was just as acceptable as every other body on that beach. And I saw there were some model looking women there and there were some, you know, extra, extra, extra large women there. And nobody paid any type of body any different attention. That's so interesting. Yeah. But and every sense, one though. of mm-hmm, every one of those people, regardless of their body type, I saw being looked at with desire. That I think was the most revelatory piece of it for me, that no matter how large a woman's body was, somebody was looking at her with desire. That's what convinced me. When I say I can tell you with absolute certainty that there is somebody who wants to love you no matter what size your body is, I know that because I've seen it. It's not just some pretty story that I'm saying. I've seen it in action. I've seen those women having sex on the beach. Literally. (laughs) And you might be the only person who could say that. (laughs) I can prove it. I've seen it before. No, I love that. I've seen it. That's such an, an amazing experience. Yeah. Like, I don't think it totally changed me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I came back. uh, I I settled after my six months on the road. I settled in Portland, Oregon, which happens to have a really amazing sex positive community. And that's when I started getting to go to regular events where we would take our clothes off. And being part of a community of people who get naked together, and I could see that as like a regular grounding experience for me of, okay, my body is normal. And I find that at the time, there are times when I spend less time in that space, and my body anxiety goes up. When I don't get to be in that nude space and see those other bodies and remember that I'm normal, my body anxiety raises. And the more I'm in those spaces, the more my body anxiety goes down. And it's got nothing to do with how many people are hitting on me because I frankly don't care. <laughs> it's, it's got everything to do with seeing myself in space with other female bodies and recognizing that I'm normal. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I love that, though, because it's definitely not something I would ever be like, oh, yeah, let's just go do that right now. But it 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 makes a lot of sense, because if you are if you are constantly because right now in like 99 percent of us are constantly bombarded with that idea of this is the perfect body. This is what you're looking at. And in, you know, sex sells in movie and films. So there's a lot of nude or semi-nude bodies that you see on the TV and they're just not, they don't match, you know, 85% of the world. I don't know. I'm obviously making that statistic up. But I'd say more like 93% yeah. of the world. Exactly. So they yeah. have these beautiful bodies. And so if you're constantly bombarded with that idea of like, this is the beautiful body, then you're the idea of your body gets skewed, but if you are constantly around normal people and that's what you're seeing, 
then yeah, I could see how your, your mindset would adapt to that and it would reduce anxieties and all that lovely, awesome things that we need to take care of just generally speaking. Um, if you could go back knowing what you know today to your childhood self, is there anything that you would really specifically tell them? Mm, I mean, so many things, right? (laughs) (sighs) So many things, but about my body. Um, the, the hard thing is that I, I know that at that point I was so bought into my father's messaging that I wouldn't have been able to hear anything else. But what I would want her to hear is that her mother, her father's messaging was entirely based in his own internal drama. He was not a small man himself. So him telling me that I was fat and ugly, that was really rich. coming from someone who had a big old beer belly himself and the fact that I mean one of the things he used against me was you have to be careful you're starting to look too much like your mother and um and um now as an adult I'm like you married her yeah (laughs) you and and it wasn't just like she was your last resort you pursued her we like her I so (laughs) <laughs> so there is something wrong with this messaging. I wish that I could could go back and talk to her about how inconsistent and and lunatic the messaging was. But again, she was so ensconced mm-hmm. in it that I don't think she'd be able to hear any of that. Yeah, and that's totally fair. I mean, as children, we the messages that we're given, those are the ones that we believe. Like there's, you know, yeah. we have that... Just how it works. And not only because it's kind of natural, but because we have to. In order for me to stay sane in my father's home, I had to buy into the insanity as normal. Otherwise, I would have been out of my, like, I would have been trying to make, it just, it wouldn't have worked. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say to someone like, I guess the version of yourself like 10 years ago, maybe when you could have heard it, but didn't hear it. And I'm using 10 years as an arbitrary number. Maybe 10 years ago, you could have been very enlightened. Um, no, not at all. Fair <laughs> I use 10 years because I know I wasn't 10 years ago. I was a very different person. So 10 years ago, and let's say you, you definitely know the message would land. Um, what would be something that you would either tell yourself like message wise or an instruction you would give yourself like do this as like a first Mm. step and see where it goes. I think I would want her to know that she was um, not perverted for having sexual desires and not broken just because she wasn't enjoying the sex she was getting. Um, at that point, I was still very much ensconced in sex that was often painful and always boring because I didn't, I was constantly performing pleasure for my partners so that they knew that they were doing a good job. Meanwhile, they were not doing a good job because I was having no pleasure. (laughs) But that's not entirely on them Mm -hmm. because I was giving them the signals 
for them to believe they were doing a good job. So they had no reason to try anything else. Meanwhile, in my head, I was like, I'm broken because I don't have pleasure. And it's really hard for me to orgasm. And I don't really enjoy what we're doing. So all of that makes me broken. And what I really want is something different. And so that makes me too needy. And so so I can't ask for what I want because that would make me too much. And all of that is such backward thinking. It's so, it's so common. It's so bloody pervasive. I hear almost everyone I, I work with comes in with some version of that story, but it's completely backward because the truth is if we're not enjoying what we're getting, it's because we're getting the wrong thing for our body and every one of our bodies is different. And we are allowed to ask for what we want. It does not make us perverted. It doesn't make us deviant to have desires, no matter how quote unquote kinky or vanilla you might think your desires are, what you want is exactly right for you. And, and what, what we need to do is help you to, to communicate it in a way that your partner can either say I am in or that's not for me. I'm out. And you get to go find a different partner who's going to be in with you. Yeah, that's totally fair. That's definitely, I think definitely something people need to take into consideration, myself included, because, you know, it's one of those things that you just don't. I think our default setting is that there's something wrong with us, regardless of the situation, whether we're talking about sex or whether we're talking about you know, being able to finish a project. If we can't do something or if we're not getting what we need, it's like 99.9% of the time we're like, we are the problem. Yes, absolutely. And it's on us to fix it. And it is on us to fix it. It always is. Um, But it's fixing it doesn't mean fixing the broken part inside of us. It means communicating what we need. Because most of the time... Yeah, most of the time we're not broken. Mm-hmm. Like this idea of brokenness, again, is so pervasive and so frequently not true. I mean, yes, d- some people have trauma that they need to work through. Oh, for but sure. But that doesn't mean that you're broken. No. Well, I don't, I mean, I would say that everyone even has like a little bit of trauma to work through. Like I don't, it's, it's not, um, it's not unique. And I don't mean that in, uh, you're not special way. <laughs> I don't mean that at all, but I mean, it's not unique as in we all have stuff like that, that to deal with. And so if everyone has it, it can't possibly be a situation of someone yeah. being broken. I, there are statistics out there about how many women have experienced sexual abuse and or sexual assault and how many men have experienced sexual abuse or assault. And I, based on the conversations that I have, um, I would say that those numbers are drastically underreported. I have, I don't think I've ever yet met a woman who didn't have some level of sexual trauma in her past. And I think a lot of times those things when, you know, when somebody does a study, they maybe don't get reported because people think, well, I wasn't actually raped. So it Mm -hmm. wasn't that bad. So I guess I shouldn't say anything. Yeah. Uh, When in reality, if, if something has been done without your full and enthusiastic consent, that's not okay. I think for me, I throw off things like statistics because I'm like, now I'm in a position where it, and I, I I mean, use the term doesn't matter. It's not that it doesn't matter, but you have 
evolved to move past it in some way. And so now I'm like, it doesn't hurt me as much. So now I'm going to say it doesn't count. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, how does that work? <laughs> that makes no sense. So I, <laughs> I think there's a ton of things that throw off those statistics. And I think you're a hundred percent correct in saying that they, they're not reflective of, um, what's the reality because we're embarrassed or we, we don't count them be, for, you know, insert reason here. Um, or we don't realize that that's what we were feeling or, you know, there's, there's so much out there. Um, yeah. I, so frequently I hear women say, well, I had this experience, but it's not as bad as what I hear other women talking about. So I don't really think it counts. And that is just what you experienced is what you experienced. There is no litmus test for whether it was bad enough. It, it, if it made you feel bad, you're allowed to feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fair. You're allowed to. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that's all of the questions that I have. But before uh, you go, I like to ask if there's anything else that you think that people need to hear or that we didn't particularly cover that you'd really like to share. Because I'm sadly, unfortunately, don't read minds. I wish that I did. (laughs) Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? I I would love that. (laughs) That's like my when people are like, what superpower do you want? I want the superpower to read minds. Because there's so much that I miss. Um, So if there's anything that you would like to add to the conversation that we didn't hit, please feel free to do so. Sure. Well, uh, one of the questions, when I talk about this experience of having gone to this nude resort, um, a a lot of the responses I get are, well, that sounds really interesting, but uh, how, how could I possibly translate that into my life? So, uh, yes, I acknowledge a huge majority of your listeners are not going to go to a nude resort. <laughs> Nor do they have to. That's okay. I feel like you can get that same, maybe not experience. I think experience is the wrong way to say it, but you can have similar experiences without going to a nude resort if you're not comfortable with that. I feel yes, like. exactly. Yeah. And so my, my suggestion would be to start at your local beach and I know that even that is going to be really challenging for a lot of people. Um, but if you can like put on whatever clothes you need to, to feel like you can just get yourself onto the beach, this is not about you being seen. This is about you looking at other people. Sit yourself down on the beach and watch the other people around you. And I particularly encourage you to watch the mother of the two-year-old and the four-year-old who's, you know, got her bathing suit on, is running around after her kids, is trying to make sure the sandwiches don't have sand in them. You know, she's like, she's doing all the things. And look at her body. Because chances are pretty good she does not have a model's body. If she's had a couple of kids, she probably has a pretty darn normal, you know, average body. And look at her and, and instead of focusing on the curves or the whatever, focus on how capable she is, how loving she is, focus on who she is as a person, and see how that begins to affect your thoughts about her body. And then once you've done this with a few people and, 
And, you know, it's not unusual to see large people at the beach in swimsuits. You may not be ready to be one of them, but look at them. And again, start, like, notice your thoughts about them. Choose one person. Notice your thoughts about that person when you first look at them. And then notice, start paying attention to who they are. Like, how do they communicate with their mate? How do they interact with their dog? You know, whatever it is that catches your attention. Start seeing them as a more three-dimensional person as opposed to just a body and see if that changes how you feel about their body. Um, and then you can start to, to over time, um, reflect that back onto your own body. I am more than a three-dimensional, I, I, I am more than just this body. I am a three-dimensional person. Um, so if you're not ready to go to a nude beach, it's okay. <laughs> start with where you are. Start with looking at the bodies around you. So often we are completely focused on our own body and how we're being judged by everyone else around us, when in fact, nobody's really looking because they're all focused on their own bodies. <laughs> so, so start taking the focus off of your body and paying attention to how you actually feel about other people's bodies, and then turn it back and say, does that adjust how I feel about my own? I love that. I think that's actually my favorite thing to tell myself when I'm feeling bad is the fact that literally no one is watching me. It's so, and I like to remind myself that it's, it's very, um, not pretentious, but like self-absorbed of me to think that everyone is looking at me <laughs> for whatever reason. Right. Um, yeah. It makes you feel good and bad about yourself at the same time, but it's also very untrue in, you know, 99% of the situations, no one is looking at you. They're not concerned about you. They are concerned about themselves. They might be thinking you're looking at them <laughs> and judging them. But at the end of the day, no one is watching you, which is probably one of the most powerful things in the world and I use it in a business context too. Like no one is watching you what you're doing right now. So there's no reason why you can't do whatever it is that you want to be doing right this second. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So uh, just to like bring this back to a very personal example yeah. so people can hear it in action. Um, one of the most frequent um, targets for my father's messaging was my legs because I have very sort of Eastern, heavy Eastern European peasant legs. Um, and my father's messaging to me was, boys don't like girls who don't have pretty legs. Um, and so I've gone through my life feeling like no one would ever be attracted to me because I don't have these, you know, I didn't win the genetic lottery when it comes to legs. So when I am out, and this is still a challenge for me, like I really have to push myself to occasionally wear short skirts or, you know, when it gets really hot out, it is a challenge for me to put on shorts um, or even, you know, um, pants that land a couple inches above my ankles because my ankles, oh my God, they're, ah. <laughs> so when I'm out in the world, I pay special attention to women who have legs that look like mine. And I really focus on 
does that person look like a good person? <laughs> does that person look like a friendly person? Does that person look like someone who I might want to be friends with? And if the answer to that is yes, why the hell do I care about her legs? They're, they're fine. And for there are even times when I can look at someone like that and be like, her legs are fine. Like it's got nothing to do. Like they're fine. <laughs> you know? So that's how I, I, I um, use that myself. I did the same thing. I also have a problem with my legs. Um, I have very chubby legs. They're also long, which is weird. Um, but I was at a resort in Mexico last year and I had this really beautiful um, romper like a short jumper and it was it had pineapples all over it it was so cute but it was so short um and I decided I was like you know what there's no one around that I know besides like my family that is with me so I'm gonna throw this bad boy on and I did and I wore it every single day I was at the resort because I loved it so much and not only that but I got compliments on it because it was like such a unique piece. And I was like, this is amazing. I still will disclose that I have not worn the, that jumper at home yet. So <laughs> I'm halfway But there, taking though. a risk. I mean, you, you yeah. took a risk. And it's okay if you don't take that same risk every day. Mm-hmm. You took the risk and, and you didn't die. Yeah, <laughs> and like, exactly. That's, <laughs> you know, I think of it in terms of building a muscle. You Mm -hmm. have to work up to just because I, um, you know, just because I was willing to wear a short dress um, to an event doesn't mean that I am now obligated to go wear a short dress every day. Like you, you build up to things. You do a little bit. You see how it feels. You do a little bit more. You see how it feels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, well, so where can people find more information about you? I know it's going to be included in the show notes and I know it's going to be in the blog post, but, but just generally speaking, (laughs) where can people find more information about you? Yes. So my podcast is good girls talk about sex, where I interview women about their sex lives. And it is so much fun. (laughs) It's my favorite thing that I do. So please come listen. Um, I literally, each episode is a deep dive with, a. a woman about what she has experienced in her life around sex and sexuality. So that's good girls talk about sex. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at good girls talk. And then my website is leahcarey.com. That's L E A H C A R E Y.com. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on here. I love this. I had so much fun. And also, I love your nude beach story because I just think that is so fantastic. <laughs> My goal is now to work up towards going to a nude beach. It's going to be years, but I'm, I love I'm okay with it. Yes. <laughs> so thank well, you Well, thank you much. so much for having me. Awesome. Yeah, well, it was great. Great. I'm sure we'll talk again. Excellent. Welcome back. I hope that you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I think Leah is the perfect mix of knowledgeable, um, funny, and really engaging. And I hope that you got as much as I got out of that interview. 
Um, I think there's so many things, so many really amazing takeaways, um, you know, like just start small, um, spend time around other body shapes. They do not, you do not have to be naked. Uh, not everyone is ready to, uh, to strip down into their birthday suits and um, hang out with people. That's, you know, no one expects that from you, but it's okay to look around and see who's who's out there in the different body shapes you see and you'll see that most of them don't match that version of the tv show that or the the version of bodies that we see on the tv shows and the magazines you know most of us don't match that um and also keep in mind that no one is watching you and it is okay for you to try something new um it's okay for you to wear that really cute slightly too short dress that you're not sure if you like it's okay to test it out you know throw on a bikini if you want to wear a bikini um show off your legs like it whatever you're doing it's it's totally okay to give it a try because honestly at the end of the day no one is watching so definitely go and check out leah's stuff um you can go to her website leahcarry.com her instagram her youtube check out her podcast all of that lovely stuff and um she's even linked through to a really cool if you go into the um if you go into the show notes she has this really cool um download that you can to how to propose a new adventure to your lover so that's kind of a cool if you want to if you want to see what her sex um, sexual communication practice is all about you can go download that from her website and get some uh, knowledge from her I would totally encourage you to do that so um, thank you to Leah for coming to hang out with us and also um, please uh, please be sure to check that out if you loved this podcast rate and review it um, and please share it with your fat friends. <laughs> I love having my fat friends on here and I would love if yours came and hung out with us as well. And yeah, so tell a friend, tell, you know, someone, you know, at work or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whoever you think might be interested in it. Come hang out with me at Hello Tay. Get on the mailing list so you know everything that's going on. We're doing a lot of things in the blog right now that have to do with um, employment related things, starting businesses, all that kind of stuff. We're also going to be talking a ton about self-care. Um, we're going to be talking about how to make self-care plans. This will be something we also cover on the um, podcast, uh, because I think all that stuff is really, really important to me. So, um, I want to share it with you guys. So I am really excited you decided to join me today. Thank you so much. And we will talk again in a few days. Goodbye.
Thank you.